the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. A pleasure to speak to you, whether it is morning, noon, or night, where you are. An exciting show planned. And before we get started with my wonderful guest and uh, beautiful topic tonight, just wanted to let you know that we are nearing the end of the Rebel Road Tour. There will be the remaining shows taking place in June in Atlanta, Georgia. There are three shows taking place. Yelm, Washington at the Rockta School, and also Missoula, Montana, and that will finish out the remainder of the Rebel Road shows. So I invite you to come and be with me and experience the bridge between light and dark, love and fear, courage and conformity, so that you can move beyond the things that are limiting you in your life and understand how the old story is really part of what gets you to your new story. It is a wonderful experience, one where there is beautiful connection and communion and hopefully a lot of aha moments and heart opening for you. So go to therebelroad.com to find out exactly where those shows are taking place, and I look forward to seeing you. In addition, the new issue of 1111 Magazine will be releasing next week, and there are some amazing articles by Shavasti and Panesh Desai, along with uh, Gabrielle Bernstein and many more from around the world that are doing amazing work on the planet, truly stepping into their brilliance and sharing their wisdom. So I invite you to partake of this free gift to humanity that I offer and allow yourself to be enriched by the words, the images, and the intention that that magazine puts out there as you grow and learn and evolve and also step into the places of power where you too can be one of those individuals that is sharing and serving in the world as we all are here to do. So without further ado, I want to talk about what it takes to really help us understand how to step into our power, how to bridge uh, another level of the gap. And my guest today is Dr. Tobin Hart, and he is the author of The Secret Spiritual World of Children and now his latest book, The Four Virtues. And we're going to be talking about presence and heart and wisdom and creation. And I found this to be a wonderful book because it really bridges the psychology and spirituality, so a little bit of a different angle, and it's also something that lets us all know that we all possess these four essential virtues, that they help us really find this pathway to lead to a really, really good life by drawing knowledge from across tradition and time, from neuroscience to ancient wisdom, Tobin reveals that we really do possess these things, and with the spiritual assessment matrix and 
expert practices and tools, this highly accessible, thought-provoking guide shows readers how to grow and activate these powers from the inside out, creating a life packed with meaning and fulfillment, substance and satisfaction, love and liberty. The Four Virtues will unlock the reader's extraordinary potential and serves as a contemporary set of ethics, bringing heart and wisdom to life, helping us recognize beauty as well as rekindling awe and finding our own voice. I'm really excited to speak with Tobin today, particularly because he is also the author of The Seven of the Secret Spiritual World of Children, uh, just because I know that so many of us uh, to really step into our power, also have to return back to that place of really looking at life and approaching life from the perspective of the child. And so I think the places that he brings us back to in the four virtues are so much the essence of where the child lives as well. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Tobin Hart to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. My pleasure to be with you. I, I think that this is a beautifully laid out book, and in the way that you have shared it, uh, really helps a person have an understanding uh, from a practical standpoint, um, an intellectual standpoint, but then also an integrative one, because you do give a lot of practices and ways that people can integrate some of these uh, different words and virtues into, the, into remembrance. Uh, that they already hold. And I think one of the key points that I found in the beginning was uh, in your preface where you were talking about being someone that didn't necessarily have uh, the big tragedy or the big issue. And I think that there are many people that are out there that are feeling like, you know, my, my life uh, or, or I'm getting out of college or my life is, you know, kind of in this one way and I don't have this big event and yet I still don't know have any idea who I am. And then in the same vein, there's a group of people that have um, a lot of things they've been through, and they're asking the same question. So I want to start from there uh, as to uh, how we, we do start off with those questions, and we sometimes do end up in that place where there's an impetus or an impulse to do something that doesn't make any sense or it may not even be something that looks like it has any purpose, but yet it does. Talk a little bit about the beginning of this, where you came to this realization of of starting to dig, literally, in the ground, as well as dig more into your own psyche. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're all trying to find our way, aren't we? And whether we've got a, a tragedy to sort of rivet our attention and, and work around, or whether we're just... Uh, um, just, just trying to trying to listen to those currents, those deep currents that often we have some sense of as a child, but but often get overwhelmed uh, in the day to day and in the expectations that others have of, of us. So, uh, for me too, I, <clears throat> you know, I I really was um, one of those uh, troubled and troubling teens. You know, I was sort of a lost soul and and. Um, uh, you know, just just had a couple experiences that were really uh, eye-opening for me and helped uh, uh, not put me on a course, but helped me ask questions a little bit. And uh, at, at one point, I realized that the questions I was asking were in the wrong direction. I was trying to figure out what it was I was supposed to do in the world and how I was supposed to do it and how I was supposed to be. And, and um, the Questions were all about the outside, and my my little epiphany was that it was about the inside, and that things have to grow from the inside out. And so that's part of what this book does: is to recognize what those deep 
currents, those deep capacities that we need in order to really uh, meet the world uh, from a place deep within and to meet it deeply. And so, you know, this is, this is part of what I think we all are, are, are looking for, but we're looking outside so often, and this is about uh, trying to grow these natural capacities from the inside out. Well, and I think that that was one point that I wanted to discuss because you talk about these four living virtues uh, helping us to build balance and integrate our psychological and our spiritual life on earth. And when I think about the psychological, uh, it, it seems like that is is really coming from the inside to the outside, uh, excuse me, from the outside to the inside or vice versa, and the spiritual life is in a way doing the same thing. Um, but it's almost as if the perspective for the psychological is always pointed outwardly, and that the spiritual allows us to have the perspective that points us back inwardly. Is it the bridge? Are these virtues literally that bridge uh, so that we're not, number one, scampering back and forth, or, or that we're not completely focused on the outside all of the time? Yeah. Well, I, I think of this as um, a kind of field guide to the inner life, and, and it's also an opportunity to develop what I talk about as psycho-spiritual growth. And the psychological and spiritual are uh, these really odd and paradoxical sorts of things, right? The psychological uh, helps us develop our will, and the spiritual asks us to be willing Psychological strengthens our sense of self, and the spiritual asks us to be selfless. The psychological helps us differentiate and individuate, and the spiritual helps us to lose our self-separateness. So it's very confusing, I think, for us to sort of be faced with those paradoxes and figure out what it is we're supposed to do, how is it we're supposed to proceed. And often when we find uh, work on the psychological, for example, uh, we might lose that sense of selflessness and that sort of uh, uh, ultimate expansion that we get from the spiritual. On the other hand, if we do the spiritual without a, a grounding in the psychological at every step of the way, uh, it's very easy to sort of get uh, sort of top-heavy and lose our, lose our way. And even in the great spiritual traditions and great spiritual teachers, we see uh, these times when these great guides sometimes betray their flock because the psychological isn't developed along with the spiritual. So what this is is about this integration, trying to do these uh, left foot, right foot, spiritual, psychological, one at the same time, or back and forth is a kind of oscillation for us to really uh, grow this kind of, um, you know, this depth, again, from the inside out. And, and both of these, I think, are inside and both are outside in some way. You know, sometimes when we go deep enough on the inside, it opens to the outside. So, again, this is this, this strange sort of paradoxical world. Well, and I think it doesn't matter whether we're 13, 33, or 99. It's easy to find ourselves sometimes in that place once again where we're lost. And in reading the book, you state, you know, that, that there's a discovery that comes at some point, and, and that discovery is that it's up to me, that there's a, a certain level of not only radical honesty but radical responsibility that has to take place. And I think we're in a time right now where more and more people are becoming aware that there is a certain level of responsibility to take, but not necessarily sure how or what to anchor in so that the footsteps start going in a direction that is 
more um, positively enhancing for life to feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so, too, that um, often we're trying to find the way, and, and sometimes it's just hard to know what the next step is. And part of what this book does is try to pull these different capacities together. And by the way, these... Um, Word virtues is kind of loaded a little bit, and sometimes it, it um, people hear it as moralistic, and that's certainly not what these are about. These aren't commandments or beliefs or anything of the sort. These are internal capacities and quality necessary to live a life of flourishing and fulfillment. I think, and and so anyway, these uh, uh, you know part of why these are brought together is because our integration is really essential. And so if, for example, we may have this tremendous sense of heart and this great compassion and this great desire to really be a service out there, and yet if we don't balance that with, uh, let's say, discernment, which is one of the qualities of wisdom, or find a creative outlet, one of the uh, aspects of creation or creativity, then that heart doesn't necessarily know what to do. For example, we may spend our heart without clear discernment or we may not have, a, um, have an outlet for it, uh, and so it backs up and clots our consciousness in some way. And so that's where these, these things work in balance. And so many of the wisdom traditions have talked about one or the other or several, several of these, and uh, what I've tried to do is just bring these together in a way that uh, it really helps bring the spiritual down to earth. Before we get into some of these, uh, I really like the way you talk about Matrix because I think that the way that Matrix has been portrayed uh, by so many scientists and otherwise is that it is something that's already set up or it's a grid that we're kind of locked into and confined that determines who we are. And you use the word Matrix or describe the word Matrix um, by the, the Latin definition, which means pregnant animal, and that this is the place or medium where things are actually developed or birthed, actually a womb space. And that gives a, a much freer, more empowered sense to the whole matrix. Speak a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the word matrix is really a, a fascinating one. You know, it can be interpreted as, as um, mother or pregnant animal and, and, uh, or womb. And so uh, the remarkable thing is... I think about uh, Meister Eckhart, the 14th century Dominican sage and mystic, who he had a, this wonderful heretical line. He said, we are meant to be mothers of God. We are meant to be mothers of God. Hard thing for a Dominican priest to say today, much less for one to, to yeah. say in the 14th century, right? And so we're meant to be mothers of God. This idea is that we're, we are the womb out of which divinity is birthed. Uh, that the currents of creation come uh, through us, essentially, and it is our job, our responsibility in some way to be that hollow reed or to find our particularity, the particular way in which we can uh, channel that current. So we're, we're to birth divinity, we're meant to be mothers of God. We're to birth divinity through us, through our actions, through our being, through our way of, of doing and being in the world. And this matrix extends out in four cardinal directions that you talk about, and, and that's how you uh, bring forth the wisdom in your book, The Four Virtues, as those four directions. 
Yes, exactly. That those uh, these these four uh, sort of major qualities, four directions, like uh, Native American medicine wheel, for example, um, and in that tradition, for example, the word power and medicine are sometimes used interchangeably, and I think of these uh, these parts of the matrix, these directions on the compass these aspects of the medicine wheel as both powers in medicine. There are, there are these internal powers, these, this capacity of love, for example, or compassion, this capacity for presence uh, that really uh, serve as both uh, healing medicine for ourselves and medicine for the world as we, we really embody this and bring this forward. My guest today is Tobin Hart. He is the father, professor, psychologist, speaker, and the author of The Secret Spiritual World of Children, along with the book that we're discussing tonight, The Four Virtues. He is a professor of psychology at the University of West Georgia, as well as co-founder and president of the Child Spirit Institute, a nonprofit educational and research hub exploring the spirituality of children and adults. He's a sought-out expert, resource, and keynote on children's spirituality, psychology, and education, serving on various advisory boards, think tanks, and organizations. The Four Virtues speaks directly to the emerging trend and yearning by individuals looking for a contemporary set of ethics and morals to live by. Whether religious or secular, the Four Virtues will appeal to anyone looking for a grounded, intelligent, and accessible structure to frame their self-development and happiness. You can find out more about Tobin Hart and the book, The Four Virtues, at thefourvirtues.com. We'll be right back with Dr. Tobin Hart. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron-singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. 
all of the 1111 Talk Radio shows are archived for you all the way back to 2009, but they are timeless. Every discussion that is there will help you to continue to grow and evolve and bring you another teacher, another book, another individual that is truly allowing their wisdom to be something on the planet that supports many. So definitely go back and listen to all of the archives. You can go on to iTunes and download those for free. In addition, I invite you to explore my own books, Conversations with the Universe, How the World Speaks to Us, and understand how your signs and symbols are showing up all around you all of the time, guiding you on your way. In addition, my latest book is Your Journey to Enlightenment, allowing you to understand how to step out of conformity and into courage from the awe and wonder of the child. My guest today is Dr. Tobin Hart, and we are discussing his book, The Four Virtues. The process of opening to the world requires both the psychological and spiritual. When viewed together, these can often seem odd and paradoxical. The psychological develops our will, and the spiritual asks us to be willing. The psychological strengthens our sense of self, and the spiritual asks us to be selfless. The former helps us differentiate and individuate, and the latter invites us to lose our self-separateness. We see in this book how the virtues work together and that without their integration, we can have trouble getting out of our own way. Again, the book is The Four Virtues by Dr. Tobin Hart, and you can find out more at thefourvirtues.com. Welcome back, Tobin. I'd love to dive in and let people start to really understand uh, these four virtues and, and how this really does help them move into more of a place of balance and integration. Talk about what happens when we are out of balance in regard to these four virtues. Sure. Um, well, one of, one of the things that uh, I, I think happens a lot of times is, uh, you know, we may have, I think we mentioned earlier, we may have this, this great big heart and really ready to, ready to go, but uh, we find ourselves sort of burning out or not knowing what to do or becoming a doormat or um, or not not sure what to what or where to give and so um, it isn 't just that we need heart for example the the love and the heart is of course the path and the end goal of every tradition but most traditions also talk about wisdom for example, and so wisdom is about uh, things like discernment and clarity and uh, guidance and things like that. And so without, without those qualities or capacities, uh, the heart can have trouble finding its most efficacious sort of path. Uh, the same is, might be true, for example, for presence, which is the, the first uh, capacity, the first main virtue. And presence, for example, is pretty popular these days. We've talked a lot about mindfulness and the power of now and uh, being here and so on and so forth. And these meditation, for example, at least a third of Americans now have tried meditation or yoga or something close to that. And so these are really, you know, nice mainstream ideas these days. But just having presence, for example, and awareness uh, without heart without the wisdom, without an ability to express it in some way, in some direction, in creation, uh, again, may leave us aware, but it may leave us uh, without uh, a kind of uh, direction or out of, without a way to express our, our great compassion or great power or great insight. 
One thing I like about your book is uh, not only do you break it down into the four virtues, but they each have other words that you associate with them, and you allow people to do different types of quizzes to help them gauge where uh, certain virtues may not be as strong as others. Uh, how, how does someone then use these quizzes to understand uh, what needs to be expanded and then how to expand it based on how the book is set up? Yeah, the, each chapter is bookended with uh, these little sort of self-scoring assessments, self-scoring quizzes at the beginning that just take a couple minutes. And at the end of the chapter are exercises that uh, help develop these in down-to-earth way. And, of course, they just scratch the surface. There are lots of wonderful things out there, but they do give some, some really concrete things. So uh, the idea is uh, for us first to get some idea of what may be our great strengths, our great allies, our, our home base in some way, <clears throat> excuse me, and what may be trailheads for growth. And this is often what's going on when we're trying to find our way, that we may have great strength in one direction and not so much in another. And so the idea of these uh, quizzes, these little assessments, is just to give us a sense of, of, of where our allies may be and our trailheads may be. And with each of, within each of these four directions, presence, for example, there are four uh, sub-capacities or four dimensions, four facets, let's say, of presence. Uh, so sensing and focusing and witnessing and opening, for example, these are four different facets of this quality of presence. And so within any one of these main four um, directions, we might have a great capacity for focus and be able to hold on and lock it into uh, something we're working on. But, for example, we may not be so open. And so what this does is give some uh, precision to say, oh, okay, here's where I'm, where I have uh, strength, and and here's where I could use a little bit more work. And it, again, at the end of those chapters, there's some suggestions for uh, ways to develop this in down-to-earth uh, terms. Well, I think that that's probably valuable too, because we've we've become such a society that's in our heads, and we're also such a society that stays so busy at times that we. We don't stop long enough to hear our own intuition or to really tap into the heart to the full capacity of our power. So in, in doing these quizzes, it, it's kind of also a way to stop us to, to say, let's look at these different areas and then, and, and then maybe get out of the head so that we can dive more deeply into something such as the sensing or such as the witnessing, or if we're too airy-fairy out there, the focusing would allow us to hone in a little bit more. Is, is that uh, how this, this book can support different individuals in uh, accessing not just more of their power, but having more meaning and happiness in their life? Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Uh, again, the idea is that um, it really, the, the challenge of being in the world, I think, is that it requires certain capacities, certain sort of inner qualities in order to be a match for what's out there, especially these days when the world is spinning so quickly and there's so many demands on us. And so um, what are these sort of inner qualities? The, the, the greater the technology outer, outside, the greater the, te- the inner technology, I think, is required in order for us to really 
be able to uh, match it, to be able to to engage it fully. And so uh, we've been really directed outside so much that these really help bring us back in and say, wait a minute, what are the inner arts and inner sciences, that inner technology and inner capacities that really help us um, uh, be able to uh, take advantage of what's on the outside? You know, that's a really powerful statement, Tobin, because I think people tend to think the more powerful technology is on the outside, the less I've got to do, uh, it, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to take care of itself for me. But what you're saying is it actually means that we have to match our inner resources and develop our inner top technologies to an equivalent or greater um, because why is it because it, it, the outer would be so distracting then and then we really do lose ourselves to the outer what would be the reason that we really need to develop this to that equal or above match well I, I think the 20th century was a really nice example of how technology and, and uh, innovation were really just remarkable and of course what it brought us to was the edge of self-annihilation. <laughs> and so uh, this technology without wisdom to guide it is uh, downright dangerous and without heart to be able to modulate it is absolutely destructive. And so this isn't an age of bigger bandwidths and fact, faster connections. It's an age now of integration. And it's integration of ways of knowing, it's integration of ways of, of being in the world, and particularly it's an integration, I think, of, of uh, you know, how is it that we can live in a world that is so technologically laden and accelerating all the time. It's, it's just, you know, the, the edge of unbelievable possibility, right? But it's simultaneously the edge of unbelievable peril. And so if we're going to survive, much less thrive, um, you know, we have to develop uh, as so many folks have recognized, these inner qualities of, of heart and wisdom and so on and so forth that really uh, uh, will enable us to make the good decisions, essentially, and to be able to see uh, beyond the immediate sense of greed or immediate advantage in order to see what the consequences down the road are. I think of uh, Thomas Aquinas, for example, who defined wisdom as seeing from a greater height or seeing into the heart of something. And that's part of what it is that we're trying to develop, I think, for our own life, but also for uh, the life that we give to our children and the life that we uh, give to one another, you know, being able to see the long view, being able to see what really matters in this situation, being able to cut to the heart of, a, of an issue with our partner rather than just being defensive or uh, alienated from that. You know, I think that's another thing that I like about your book is you, you, you bring to light a broadened meaning of certain words. And I think we are a society that has gotten so trapped into what we think words mean, but yet there is a broader expanse to what they can really mean. And, and you talk about beauty, uh, and, and you bring about some quotes from different people and, and, and how beauty is not just ornamentation, but actually represents an art and a science of quality and that we're not, look, we're not trying to, uh, to look for beauty, uh, to create beauty necessarily, but it is about finding the beauty in, in what is. So much of language is now interpreted in, in certain ways that we really have uh, kind of drizzled it down to almost the, the most minute parts of what its full meaning is. And when I look at some of the words that you use, silence, 
uh, awareness, awe, feeling, love, intimacy. We humans have almost forgotten what so many of these words mean, much less what the words, the four virtues would mean, presence, heart, wisdom, and creation. Speak a little bit to, to truly allowing our hearts and our minds to sink into a greater breadth of meaning to the words that we're talking about throughout this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nicely said. Um, yeah, I, a word like, uh, well, the, the oldest depiction of the life well lived and the most enduring depiction of what's important might be the Greek's notion of the good and the true and the beautiful. And so in one way or another, we hear those terms again and again. And for me, as I, as I wrote this, I said, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> these line up with, with what I was looking at. For example, presence uh, for me is about the beautiful. Um, what we discover is that while there may be a beautiful tree or beautiful face out there, the extent to which we are committed to the encounter, to the extent to which we're present to what is before us, opens beauty, essentially. Mm. And so whether we're sitting with, a, as, as one of the people that I mentioned in the book did, uh, sitting with death row inmates, or wh- whether we're sitting at the edge of a lake, as soon as we can bring our presence to that person or to that moment, um, it's like a two-headed key that opens a series of locks that opens into us and into the other. And uh, it's a kind of, we might say, a kind of reciprocal revelation where, uh, you know, the extent to which we open is the extent to which the other opens to us. And that's where beauty is found. And it's not mere ornamentation. It's not what's on the surface, although those things can be beautiful too. It's something that lives deeper down. It's that deeper current. And that's what we're going for throughout here, meeting the world deep to deep, from a place mm. deep within to the deepest place in the world. Um, Dostoevsky, in um, one of his books, he has this wonderful line that I love. It says, beauty will save the world. Mm. And it isn't the pretty face. It's our ability to recognize beauty in all things. Um, I think of Thomas Berry, um, who lived in North Carolina and died just a couple years ago, a great um, mystic sage of the environmental movement. And Thomas Berry says, uh, our challenge is to move from seeing the world as a collection of objects to, to experiencing it as a communion of subjects. And that's the turn we're trying to make to really see the world as something that we can uh, commune with, as something we can meet. Um, Abraham Heschel, the great uh, Jewish theologian, he he says um, it's it's wisdom, it's awe that will save us, that the opening to wisdom is awe and wonder, not calculation, not (laughs) more intellect. It's awe that opens to wisdom, to seeing into the heart of something or seeing from a greater height. You know, that that part of the book really resonated so much for me, uh, simply because my own latest book, uh, there was a part that channeled through that was very much about the child and, and about being in that place of awe and wonder. And, and because that's where children are just completely present, and, and you've written another book 
entitled The Secret Spiritual World of Children. Talk a little bit about that place of awe and wonder and how we have given up or forgotten uh, something that children innately know and live by. And if we just reclaimed even that peace, that it brings us back to something completely sacred and strong within. Yes. The, um, you know, we, we know there's a great line in the book of Matthew, turn and become like a little child, only then shall ye enter the kingdom. In Zen Buddhism, they talk about beginner's mind. In uh, Taoism, uh, Lao Tzu, the alleged progenitor of Taoism, uh, his name means old child. Uh, in all of these depictions, there is not, it's not about uh, child-ish, it's about being childlike, full of wonder, full of awe, being able to meet the world as if seeing it for the first time. I have the good grace of living next door. My, my dear friends have a new baby, and so she's nine months old. <laughs> mm. and it is a moment of wonder at every moment. I, and one of the things that's remarkable about children and having um, hung around them a little bit and having been one once um, is that when we're in, you know, if we're in a room a busy, whatever, office or classroom or wherever and a little child comes into the room all of a sudden people start talking with this strange high pitch oh look at the baby <laughs> you know, voice and we get down on our knees and all of a sudden there's something that opens up there's something about the presence of a child that sends yeah. a ping into us and it's a clue you, your book your latest book is a, in part about signs and finding our way in that sense and this is one of the signs that really speaks to us right this idea that wow there's something about the presence of a child that opens us to awe and wonder to beauty to connection something and so the extent to which we can begin to uh, remember that and that's what it's about right trying to remember those ways of being and those ways of knowing uh, not so that we're childlike or rather not that we're childish but so that we're childlike full of wonder and awe the four virtues will unlock the reader's extraordinary potential and serves as a contemporary set of ethics bringing heart and wisdom to life helping us recognize beauty as well as rekindling awe and finding our own voices people are stressed depressed, lost, and scared. Tobin Hart's new book, The Four Virtues, responds to such uncertainty with a set of qualities to nurture that would allow for a deeper connection with ourselves. He helps readers explore the ever-present questions of how do we find our way and what is this life really about, while he highlights the internal potential that we all have to create change in our external lives. As a trusted and internationally respected leader in human and integrative consciousness, Tobin Hart draws from decades of research and experience based in wisdom traditions, neuroscience, psychology, physics, religion, and the arts to present this field guide that connects and identifies the four timeless virtues that live in all of us, presence, heart, wisdom, and creation. You can find out more about Tobin Hart and this book, The Four Virtues, at thefourvirtues.com. We'll be right back with Tobin Hart.
is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at Simron-Singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. Seeing before believing is the credo of modern science. We are encouraged to believe something only after we see it for ourselves. For the most part, this works just fine, providing the kind of verification that helps us avoid foolishness and superstition. However, it is sometimes necessary to believe before we can see. More precisely, this means suspending disbelief in order to open ourselves to some new possibility, perhaps like Bannister or Bond. This does not mean abandoning our critical mind or being naive convert to some belief or doctrine. Rather, it means turning off critical judgment for a moment and turning down our sense of certainty in order to see possibility. This is a favorite definition of faith, the suspension of disbelief. And what faith does is open our consciousness and allows us to see new possibility. This is from the book, The Four Virtues, by Dr. Tobin Hart. I invite you to connect with him at thefourvirtues.com and uh, also to look up his other book, The Secret Spiritual World of Children. Welcome back, Tobin. I want to talk a little bit about silence. You know, in this busy world with texting and computers and cell phones and every possible electronic to keep us busy, it's hard sometimes to make ourselves get silent. But you speak a lot about um, the rest principle and, and the word, the quickening, which tends to uh, be used a lot, but I think to help give a little bit of understanding why that silence is so important and how that brings about such a thing called the quickening would be supportive to people and how that's so important to presence. Yeah, it's, it's um, this, this rest principle is a, a neuroscience idea that when a neurological connection is essentially rested for a few moments, we could just pause, we could close our eyes for a moment or just take a couple deep breaths, that when we re-engage or come on back, uh, there is a kind of neurological quickening uh, that, that happens. So even at the level of uh, 
uh, even at that level, it looks like uh, this makes a lot of sense. But of course, it goes goes deeper and even more profoundly than that. I think, and and most traditions, uh, we've been talking about presence a little bit, and and most folks talk about the value of being still uh, or silent, one so that we can listen. Uh, and that listening is both outside so we can hear others, uh, and that certainly is part of empathizing and compassion and using the heart, but it's also about listening within, and that listening within, of course, is about presence, but it's also about uh, one of the qualities of wisdom, this notion of guidance, for example. So we may have our values as guides, we may have our favorite books as guides, or our allies, or the people that we call for car talk or tax talk when we, when we need some good advice. But, uh, but so many of the great sages and saints talk about finding that still small voice, finding that place in uh, silence. And the Quakers, for example, they talked about it as the inner light. And so Quaker services begin and end with silence, essentially. The whole things are about silence. Right? So we, we know about this. The trouble is in uh, a time and a day where we've got instant everything, uh, it's hard sometimes to, re- to uh, sort of suspend that demand quality of answering the phone or uh, whatever it is that we do in order to f- make a space or find a place where we can just be still. And so this, of course, is great physiologically. It looks like it's great neurologically, but it's certainly great spiritually as well as we begin to open up possibilities of, again, hearing others and also hearing our own deep voice. You know, when we talk about presence, I think we're so out of focus sometimes that we think, like you said, the listening is to outside or presence is to outside. And another word you have in the book is witnessing is to outside. But in fact, are all these words really for ourselves? Is it presence to ourselves? And that's why we go into silence. Is it really more witnessing ourselves so that we have a greater understanding um, not only of our spirituality, but of also our psychology and what we are creating out in the world. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the best-selling poet of the last, uh, last half of the 20th century. Uh, that poet happened to be Rumi. And uh, remarkably, you know, this, uh, I think, 12th century Sufi mystic uh, was, became the best-selling poet. I mean, just, uh, you know, astounding. Uh, what, so, in his, so how come? What was it that he caught and captured that really hit a nerve? What is it that really set that ping off? And how did he do that? And so Rumi, in, uh, in Persian poetry, Apparently, uh, it's not unusual in the last line or at the end of a poem for the poet to sign his or her name. In 400 odes, uh, Rumi signs Kamush, which translates as silence. And so his author, he said, the author of these poems is silence. And in silence, we listen to our own heart. We listen to this deep current. We listen to one another. So there's something about that that really transcends uh, our own, uh, you know, our own voice, essentially, so that we can essentially find that deepest voice. As I went through the four virtues and I looked at these different words, 
uh, both before themselves, presence, heart, wisdom, and creation, and the many other words that you go into, such as compassion or expression or um, empathizing, all of these different words, I started thinking about how so many of us are wanting to serve humanity or wanting to be out there and do something in humanity. But when I feel into these words, it's almost as if we're seeking our own humanity. Can you talk a little bit about how the four virtues are a path or a compass that appears to be directions, but those directions are actually back towards our own humanity and our own internal uh, landscape? that is so vast that we have not yet known. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it, it speaks to the spiritual idea, of course, of our self-separateness. Um, the, the idea in every tradition that, that you know, essentially they begin with the, uh, the notion of the one and the many, and, the, and this is one of the, again, one of these great mysteries and great paradox. And so one of the insights of these days is the extent to which we're actually connected to one another. And so while we do something for ourselves, uh, we all ultimately end up doing something for others. Uh, the very last chapter in the book uh, is about calling. And I think about calling in two ways, finding our calling, essentially. And there are two different aspects of calling. One is finding that thing that we're to do in the world, and that's not necessarily a career. It may be the way that we, uh, just the way that we are in the world, our way of being, um, the particular way that we light up a room or the way that we can see something that others can't see so well, like an Einstein or a Picasso, for example. Uh, that's the thing that we do in the world. What is it that is ours to give? But the other part of calling uh, and this speaks uh, also to what you're, you're asking, and that is, it's what we're here to learn. And this, these two shoes, uh, uh, what we're here to give and what we're here to learn, really m- make this up. And I, I think about it as uh, uh, this one line, uh, uh, it's the pl- calling is this place where our deep gladness meets the world's great need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we think about what we're supposed to do or how we want to be an activist or change the world in some way, uh, sometimes we fall into a kind of martyr's role or an uphill struggle role. And, and that is unsustainable, I would say. And so I would argue that the way, and other folks have too, of course, is that when we find our deep gladness, this place not of happiness necessarily, but of profound joy, think of Mother Teresa, for example, and certainly there are other folks, uh, then that's what serves humanity the most. Uh, it's that model, it's that presence of that person that, that elevates us and elevates them uh, one at the same time. So that deep place, uh, that place where your deep gladness meets the world's great need. It, it does seem to be that we are in a paradox of both separateness and everyone reaching for oneness, and you speak about uh, us being hardwired to connect. Can you talk about the distinction between empathizing and sympathizing and how we navigate those two to balance out this place of individuality and oneness? 
Yeah, empathy is uh, the word from German means feeling into. And so empathy is this incredible capacity that we have to connect literally with people. It's not just about imagining what what's going on with them, although that's that's incredibly powerful. But for many folks, and it's sort of a continuum, right? Uh, some people at one end are empaths. Other people are not so sensitive. But at this, at this uh, far end, uh, or even near that, we literally resonate with other people. Uh, in neuroscience, folks use the term mirror neurons to describe this kind of literal connection that we have, a brain-to-brain connection or mind-to-mind connection with other folks. Now we've got neuroscience evidence to support what we've known for a long time, and that is we really do connect. We really can feel in. Um, we, we can connect at a distance as well. You're about to pick up the phone to call your sister, and all of a sudden she's already on the other end. She said, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you. you know, so uh, those, those connections are real out there, and even at the um, uh, the quantum world, uh, the, the the idea of non-local influence uh, of objects at a distance is now largely taken as fact. So we know at every level of being we're interconnected. And so this is part of what uh, we can begin to cultivate and develop as individuals. And the trouble is sometimes... Uh, that if we're sensitive, if we're good empaths, as many of your listeners will be, uh, we often haven't learned how to regulate that. And so we can often feel overwhelmed by the world. So sometimes people who are very sensitive as empaths uh, haven't learned to regulate that. They they um, sometimes may have learned instead to numb out some of those experiences because they, they're, they're too overwhelming. So drugs and alcohol, for example, and, and when we've worked with uh, adolescents, uh, uh, their issue often isn't the drugs and alcohol. It's that they're so sensitive that they don't know how to turn it off and turn it on and what to do with it. And so empathy is this, this really incredible gift that sometimes can be a, a curse until it's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, cultivated a little more clearly. How do we find our way and help others find theirs? How do we live in those deep currents that bring life meaning? These are some of the questions with which we began. And when we recognize these universal virtues, these medicines and these powers, it helps us to assume responsibility for life in a way that you cannot do without them. It helps give the power to risk opening your hearts and not being destroyed in the process, to be steady in the midst of pain and uncertainty, to see from a greater height and with greater hope, to stay awake as to recognize what is called for in this moment. The bottom line is that the ongoing process of growing, balancing, and integrating these enduring virtues, which are in each one of us in our own unique way, help us to live this life more deeply and with more vitality so that in the end we don't discover that we have not already lived. I invite you to explore the book from which that was read, The Four Virtues by Dr. Tobin Hart. You can go to thefourvirtues.com and also enjoy many of the quizzes, processes, and Uh, many of the quotes and readings that are inside of here. I think it will be a reading that you thoroughly enjoy. Thank you so much, Tobin, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's been an honor and a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks very much. I'm Simran Singh. Until next week, in love, of love, with love, and as love, be well. 
Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. We'll be right back. 